Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. to another episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. Really not much, on, not too much on tap this week. I mean, we are getting into the dog days of summer. Uh, we will get, we'll continue our talk with the Stanley Cup final. We're already three, ga- we're already three games in. Game four will be tomorrow night back at Emily Arena in Tampa. We'll do a, do a bit of a baseball rundown as we're getting we're into the middle of this we're getting to the middle of the season so we'll do another baseball rundown. Uh, just a quick shout out. Jake did this last week. I'm doing it now. I didn't want to get too ahead of myself because I thought the Celtics had somewhat of a chance. But congratulations to the Golden State Warriors, 2022 NBA champions, four titles in eight years. The dynasty is not is not dead. It is not dead. Um, Draymond, if you, if anybody, if Draymond, Draymond Green doesn't listen to this podcast, I know he doesn't, but I don't need him calling us out anyways. I don't have time for that shit. So congrats to the Warriors. But we begin today with more golf talk because the U.S. Open just finished. And of course, with the U.S. Open ending, live golf just becomes the talk of literally golf as we can as we as we go into after the U.S. Open, but let's go into the U.S. Open real quick here. Matthew Fitzpatrick, Englishman, young Englishman, 2022 U.S. Open champion, wins with a score of minus six after after Will Zalatoris failed to birdie on the 72nd hole and attempt to force a playoff, but nonetheless, Matthew Fitzpatrick deserved winner of the U.S. Open. Overall, I thought it was a pretty good turn. Overall, I thought it was a pretty good tournament too. Your thoughts, my good friend? Well, yeah, it's a great tournament because this was one where we kind of saw the course win this time. Of course, where you kind of expect that with the U.S. Open, but now, like after like seeing how the course was like set up and how it played, I really hope that um, uh, the USGA puts uh, puts the Country Club in the rotation for like one of the every ten year tournament because. This is a lot of fun to only see nine players under par. It was a lot of fun to see, and the, the tournament came down to the last hole. I mean, Fitzpatrick, when he put it in the bunker, I thought he was done, and I thought we were going to a playoff for sure. Like I thought that was a bogey hole for him when he was there because I was like, all right, he's gonna, he's not going to be able to go for the green, and then he just hit probably what will go down as the best shot of his career um, there on the 72nd hole. Um, just that bunker shot. Zalatoris really gave himself – he was in contention all day. It's just another guy now who's right in the mix, but another second place finish for him. So he'll probably get it done soon. But no, this weekend for sure was was good for golf. Not not saying for the PGA or live. It was just good for golf. We finally got to see like the but like looking at the leaderboard on Sunday. It was like you really got to see the best players in the world there. Um, Hideki Matsuyama needs a lot more credit for what he does as well. I know he was a Masters champion last year. But I mean, he came out no one. This guy shot. He shot a minus five on Sunday when the course was playing the hardest that it could, and he finished with a minus three, just three shots behind the lead. But yeah, we talked about this before. That's I like, and then all of a sudden, because like when you watch, sorry to cut you off there, but like 
when they showed the small like leaderboard in the corner, like he's not there, he's not there, he's not there. Then all of a sudden he's there, and I'm like, oh shit. And the thing is, though, is they, they were barely showing him up until like he got onto the leaderboard from what I was seeing. And I'm like, why have you guys been? Why haven't you guys been showing him like all day? Like all of a sudden, like he's right he there. Had one of the earlier two times because to start the day he was at a plus two. So like he wouldn't got that much TV time because they were focused on those like kind of the last two groupings. Um, so it was understandable why he didn't, but he kind of just tore up the course on Sunday, and he needs a lot more credit for the way he just played on Sunday. But it was fun to see him, I and you kind of had like Rory was kind of in there, um, for like the whole tournament, which is always nice to see. I know me and you always talk about him. He came in just at a minus one on Sunday and finished. What was it, T five at a minus two? Yeah, um, that man was up and down like a roller coaster. Yeah. Morikawa kind of shot himself out of the tournament on Saturday. Him and Joel Damon were the were the last two out on Saturday, and both of those guys looked like they struggled. Oh my! What God, did what did Morikawa do? Didn't he shoot like a plus one Saturday, and Damon was like a plus four? Yeah, seventy seven on Saturday, I think. Yeah, it was. That was bad. Morikawa had like the fifty four hole not 54 holes, 36-hole lead going into the weekend. And each of the other two majors that he won, he had a 36-hole lead. And so everybody was like, oh, Morikawa's got a good chance to win. Morikawa's got a good chance to win. And then Saturday comes, and like you said, he kind of just shot himself in the foot. And also shot, and, and him shooting himself in the foot also kind of annoyed me a little bit from a betting purpose because he was my realistic bet to win. And after 36 holes, I was feeling pretty confident that I'm like, all right, I, I, I made a good choice here. Like, you know, not everybody, nobody was really talking about him. Um, but then like, but then, you know, the golf gods just like said, no, he's not winning. Like, then he and Morikawa practically shot himself in the foot. Um, another one that really surprised me, like on Sunday, was John Rahm, like, the, like who was the defending U.S. Open champion, like found himself in contention going into Sunday, but then just completely fell apart. Like, didn't he? Fin- he finished the tournament at like what plus one? I he think? finished the tournament at plus one. He shot a plus four on Sunday, so he was right in contention going into Sunday because he was at a minus three. I believe minus three or minus two. Then that plus four. Yeah, he was at a minus three going into Sunday, and then just shot a plus four. Yeah, and and then Scotty kinda... Scheffler had a great. Scotty Scheffler had a good tournament as all, as well. I mean, he kind of wasn't there over the first two days, but over the weekend found himself like right there in contention, and even had the lead for a good, and even had the lead at uh, for a good stretch there. Yeah, I mean, the leaderboard but... changed a lot on Sunday, which was nice to see. Oh yeah, no, I agree. Not just at the top, but all over the place too. I mean, like you said, like 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 we were saying, like about Rory, kind of like a roller coaster, up, down, up, down, up, down. Scotty Scheffler, sorry to cut you off, but Scotty Scheffler also did set a record this past weekend um, for most earnings in one season on tour. He's already at twelve point five million, and we're only in July. Jesus Christ! Yeah, we still got like what four months left in the season. Yeah, if he wanted to play that many tournaments, yeah. Like he's already made this much money and he's a guy that, like I said, after the matches, like I wouldn't be surprised if this guy could win all four majors and didn't really do much at the PGA championship with the U S open right again. He's right there. And a T two finish isn't bad by any means. It's just that Matthew Fitzpatrick just Sunday just was really for the most part, like lights out. Like, oh he, yeah. He wasn't making the mistakes like that you 
that like people would have like Zal Torres could have used from him. He never really made a real mistake. Like I said, when he when he hit the ball in that bunker on 18, I'm like I'm like all right, this is a playoff for Zal Torres's win here because I'm like I was thinking there's no shot he puts this on the green from there and then puts on the greens on uh, about what 15 20 feet and then just lagged it up there for the par and Zal Torres needed that birdie and just kind of burnt that edge on 18 and. I mean, but Fitzpatrick also did win the U.S. Amateur back in 2013 at that course as well. So maybe he's just – he's probably one of the guys, like I said, that's kind of asking for this course to really come into the rotation now knowing he can win there, especially since the PGA doesn't go to Boston anymore. Yeah, no, without doubt. I mean, he's literally – he – this is an insane stat here. He's only one of two male golfers to win both the U.S. Amateur and the U.S. Open at the same course. Do you know who the other man is? Is it Tiger? No, it's not. It's Jack Nicholas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, when you're in the same, like, that man, like, Matthew Fitzpatrick and Jack Nicholas are the only two male golfers to win the U.S. Amateur and the U.S. Open at the same golf course. He also like, not- looks like he's 13 years old still. Who, Matthew Fitzpatrick? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, young English, young Englishman there definitely does look like he's 13. But um, uh, no, I mean, that's an insane set. Like when you look at all the great golfers, like male wise, like in the history of golf, like, like uh, you know, we just mentioned Tiger, Phil, Tom Watson, like, all, like Tom Watson, like players, um, great golfers, like in the history, like in his, like in history there, um. Only Nicholas and Maddie and Matthew Fitzpat like and Matthew Fitzpatrick there like and I mean like we're not even got like Matthew Fitzpatrick there it's ridiculous like and this not- was this was Matty Fitz's first PGA Tour win as well I know he's won a lot on the European Tour but this was his first win on the PGA Tour and coming in a major you can't complain about that you know when I don't even know like the no you can't I don't even know the last time that like somebody's first win on the tour was a major championship, honestly. Hmm. Let me look that up for you, but no, it was definitely a lot of, a lot of fun to watch this. Like, cause like with the PGA championship, like me and you all like talked about, like it's, it's just a boring tournament. And it was the kind of the same way this boring, past yeah. year, other than just JT having that miraculous Sunday, which is really the only main talking point I would say. And just the collapse of everyone else. It wasn't like a fun tournament to watch. Like the Masters, yes, the Masters is always fun to watch. But like Scotty Scheffler was just dominated the whole tournament. It's like it never felt like it was going to slip away from him. No, this one it kind of went down to the wire where you didn't really know what was going to happen. This one has been the most enjoyable so far. I mean, I'm hoping that the Open like lives up to the expectations. I mean, it, it's the Open; it always it always does, in my opinion. And no matter what happens, unless it's a complete lap of the field, but um, looking for I, looking ahead to the Open. I mean, I am looking forward to like the theatrics and everything there because it's the 150th Open. It's at St Andrews, the old course, we're at the Royal and Ancient, the birthplace of golf uh, pretty much there and of course like you're gonna have a lot of great players and i hope it's just like the u.s open where the course kind of just like eats everybody alive where there isn't too low of a score like there but like we still have a tournament nonetheless so i do want to say that like the u.s open best major we've had so far this season the open, like I hope, I hope can match can match the U.S. Open, if not maybe potentially exceed like the what the U.S. Open did, being the last major there. But 
I mean, nonetheless, like I said, you know, the country club, the country club, is, like, was a spectacular venue for it, uh, for the U.S. Open, and it's crazy that this was the first time in the 21st century that it was there, um, given like the history of the course itself and prior like tournaments and like past winners there and everything and like the and just and as mentioned the history overall one of the most interesting facts that i like nbc kept like repeating about the country club was that there was a racetrack like on the course in like the 18 and 1900 in like the 18 and 1900s and the racetrack actually surrounded like the first and eight, like it went around like the first and eight first and 18 fairways. And if you hit a ball onto the racetrack, like on either hole one or hole 18, it would count as it would count as a, it would count as a hazard and would be a stroke penalty and it would be a one stroke penalty and you couldn't do anything about it. Yep, the race- and now the players could have played from there this week. Exactly. Yeah, the players could play from there. Also, I have the answer to the question. Oh, kind of the answer. So there's only been six players um, to. Uh, so I, I found the stat that there's only been six players to win a major. And there was only tour win. There's only six of them. I haven't found yet. I know. Who's I know first. one of them. Oh. I know one of them. All right, let me hear it. Sean Michel, 2003 PGA Championship at Oak Hill Country Club. Yep. The only reason why I know that is because it was at Oak Hill here in Rochester, and that guy literally did fuck all after he won the PGA. Yeah, he he started in 378 uh, career tournaments and only won the PGA Championship. But other than that, there's only six players, but like I said, I'm only finding for that was their only tournament win, not finding for who's first came in a major. Uh, well, technically it was their first. That's first and only. Yeah, first and only as a major. So they're like an infamous like golf lord there. But yeah, no, Sean Michel, that guy was a fucking I never heard a single good thing about the 2003 PGA Championship, honestly. Like not at all a single thing. Like I heard everybody kind of just like shit the bed, the course ate everybody alive, and a bunch of nobodies were in contention. Wouldn't yeah, um, what was I gonna? And the history that at this course as well, because this is where, um, the movie "The Greatest Game Ever Played" was based out of as well, when Francis Wienet won the U.S. Open. Oh yeah, no, I did. Yeah, I did hear. Yeah, I forgot about that too. And like when they brought that up, when they brought that up there, I have never seen that movie. It's hard to believe. Me either, and I, I'm probably going to watch it tonight because I've it's heard. A- people talk about it and what was it with Shia LaBeouf, right? It's with Shia LaBeouf. It's a Disney movie, correct? Um, yes. Okay, so it's on Disney Plus. Dope. I the- can watch I can watch it whenever then. Cuz I have Disney Plus. I want I've been one I I did want I did want to check that out like because of hearing about that for with the US Open. Another thing too is I guess like there was like a sheep farm close to the course. Huh. And if and, and if the sheep came onto the course, you couldn't move the sheep. They were considered in play. <laughs> so imagine 
in the 18 or 1900s on this fucking golf course. Not, not only is there a racetrack for horses, but if you're golfing there and a sheep comes onto the, co- onto the hole that you're teeing off from or hitting a shot from wherever, and you see a sheep and your ball lands near the sheep, you can't move the sheep. The sheep is there. It's in play. And the rule stated back then that you couldn't do anything about it. If you move the sheep, if you try to get it away from your ball, like stroke penalty. No kidding. I kid you fucking not. But yet the sheep could pick up your ball and fucking take it God knows where. Kind of like us playing with geese. But we just, <laughs> we just run at them and get them away. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, scaring the geese away is nothing. No, is no worry at all there. Also, speaking of animals on the course, did you see it? Did you see the turkey? Did you see like when the turkey was on one? Well, did you see like when the turkeys were uh, ro- roaming around? I did not. Yeah, there was a turkey roaming around like one of the holes on Sunday, I believe. Huh. It, it was that on the front. I, I think it was on the front nine, and that's how they brought up the sheep actually, because like the turkey was there, and of course, like if the turkey's there, like you know the rules officials can get the turkey out of the way and blah blah blah. <laughs> but back then, you couldn't get the sheep out of the way. I, oh, God forbid you. God forbid. God forbid you tell Bob. God forbid you tell Bob 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 Black sheep or Baba White sheep to move out of the fucking way because I need to hit my golf ball. But yet, but yet, but yet, um, uh, but uh, but yet, uh, good old Tom Turkey can be told to gobbly 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 all their way to God knows where. Um, uh, rules back then made no sense. Right. I am excited, though, for the, like, the next couple U.S. Opens now. They are at, like, I mean, the U.S. Opens always at nice courses, but, I mean, next year you got the L.A. Country Club, then it's at Pinehurst, then Oakmont, then in, finally in 2027 it goes back to Pebble Beach, and I think that's probably that's probably the most fun I have watching U.S. Opens is probably at Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach is the – Pebble Beach is, like, the third best golf course, like, in the world. Yeah. It's always fun to watch it there, but um, no, I just I'm just happy with the, how the tournament played out, especially with how like the first two majors kind of went. How one was dominant and the other one just sucked overall. Yeah, didn't I? I, I don't want to shit on the PJ Championship, but like it never felt like watching it throughout the week. I never had like a major vibe to me. No, whereas, it didn't like whereas like watching Saturday and yes, or um, excuse me, Saturday and Sunday, it felt like it had that major vibe to it. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, the PGA didn't have that vibe there for me, but yet with the U.S. Open, it was definitely there. I mean, I mean, I certainly like my eye. It, it my eyes like were. It's not that like my eyes weren't glued to the PGA, but my eyes like were definitely like I was focusing more on what was happening during the U.S. Open than I was during the PGA. And even during the Masters, because of like how the tournaments were going. Yeah, exactly. And we watched more of the Masters Thursday and Friday for Tiger, and then like after that, Scotty just kind of dominated, and Tiger like played himself out of contention. It was just the Scotty show. Exactly. Exactly. And then of course, yeah, exactly. And that's like why I said like why I hope the you like why I hope the Open can live up to the expectations because. With the open being an, with the open being obviously on the other side of the ocean in Scotland or England, depending on the year, like 
different time zones. So like you're going to wake up like ass crack of dawn in the morning to like watch God knows how many hours of golf. And then you have like, it'll end sometime in the afternoon. It'll end sometime in the afternoon. But the thing is though, is like, what's nice about it is that like, if it's kind of terrible to watch in a way, you don't have to watch it. You can just do whatever the hell you want with your day and move on. And then like, you know, check your phone, like lay, check your phone mid afternoon and say, Oh, this actually is happening. Yeah. And won't they, don't they cheat off? Like, won't it be like 3am that some of the players are cheating off like our time? I think, yeah. Like 4am I would say. Yeah. I see. I'm excited though to see St. Andrews and like, just like, yes, the course is wide open. Like this is a course, like, it's easy. Like you can't really be screwed anywhere, but it's just those bunkers and like the fescue that they have is always fun to see those players struggle with those. Oh yeah. No, without a doubt, without a doubt. And then of course the wind plays a factor because of how it's on the water. And then yeah, it's July and everything. I mean, let's be honest. Weather in Scotland is not like weather in the United States. You don't know what you're going to get. It could rain, it could be rainy and like 60, or it could be 80 and sunny. You never know. And that could be in the same day too. Right, exactly. So like uh, the, the tea times, like people don't like to think about this as well. Tea times, like their times there play a hell of a factor for some people. It's kind of like what we kind of saw at the um, the Players' Championship this year where some players were playing like 30 to 40 mile an hour wins and other players were just having was like we're 10 to 5 mile an hour wins. So tea times will play a factor in this tournament for sure, which is always fun to see. Because you don't, like you said, you don't know what the weather's going to be. 20 minutes, it could be downpouring for the next couple hours, and it's just sunny and, like, breezy and stuff. That's it. Exactly. No, without a doubt there. Like, you're, you're tip, you, like it's going to be your typical, like, English-Scottish weather there, which is something to always be on the lookout for, for something that's always going to be on the lookout for. I mean, you know, you can, like I said, you can get four straight days of sunshine and, like, 70 degrees or – well, 80 degrees, I should say, because it'll be July. It'll be like mid-July. So, uh, so you, so I know, I know it'll be cold. I know it'll be warmer than that if it's sunny. Or you could have like four straight days of like rain and in the 60s and wind and everything. It all depends. I mean, I'm no meteorologist. The weather will continue to change for a very long time. Right, and it's fun. I, this being with the old courses being up in Scotland, it, it's gonna be a fun tournament. I hope that the players struggle as much as they do at not that I like seeing the players struggle. Don't get me wrong. It is fun to sometimes see the players just go and shoot low, but at these majors, it is nice to see like how we just had only nine guys being under par. Like that's fun to see. Oh yeah. No, without a doubt. I mean, I like close, close tournaments are what are, what are close tournaments are good for casuals diehards ratings no matter what you don't want to see a blowout you don't want to see a lap of the field you don't want to see you don't want to see people like there for like two days and then just completely shit the bed like you want like wire to wire action which is what the u.s open practically provided for us which was great so like i said hopefully the the open which will be coming up in literally like three weeks i believe like yeah, Which, July 19th, I believe. No. Is it the 19th? That may be the last day of the Open. The Open. It's uh, July 14th to July 17th. 
Jesus, yeah, not even a month. Look at that. Nope. And then kind of after that, then the PGA Tour just not becomes fun. Then you just turn your attention. Then you just defect to what just to watching live golf. Right. I mean, that's what we can. Yeah, that's what's basically gonna happen because people are like, let's be honest, like people who really cares about the FedEx Cup. Like we don't like we we talked about this as well. Like you don't track the FedEx Cup points. Like I don't know who's sitting wearing the FedEx Cup points this year. Nor do I really care. No, I have no clue in the fucking world, honestly. I mean. I, I mean, this week, like PGA wise, like you've got the Travelers, which is not a tournament that like I'm definitely gonna like sit there and watch six hours of golf for. Oh wait, I won't be doing that anyways because I'm gonna be in Philadelphia. But even if I wasn't in Philadelphia, I'm not gonna be glued to my. Right. The or... only way I the only way I ever turn like those kind of tournaments on like is like if I'm doing nothing on Sunday and like I'm just find myself in the house and yes, I'm gonna turn the golf on. And I'll check out like what the PGA posts on their Instagram, but I'm not going to follow these terms like crazy. Oh God! That is now why the PGA just came out in response to live, and now they put in an eight ter- like what what what, what, what did they even phrase it as? It's like an eight week like um, invitational event style thing for the top fifty golfers like in the FedEx Cup rankings. So I think it's like a purse of like 20 million plus. It's exactly like what Liv is doing. Like top 50, like in the FedEx cup points, they, it's a no cut event. I believe it's like 54 holes and the purse is like 20 million. 20 million. Yeah. So like, so the thing is there is like, go is switching over to live. I mean, like the PGA is scared, legitimately scared. I mean, we called this last week. Like the PGA, I felt that like the PGA was going to do something crazy enough, like where they're going to take like something from Live and like incorporate it into the PGA Tour. I wasn't expecting them to take what Live does altogether and incorporate it into the PGA Tour, though. Right. And did you see what they're also doing the PGA Tour for? Um, so clearly we know it's just like for, like you said, I think the top 50 finishers in the FedEx Cup standings or the last year will get invited to it. Then the other players will have like their own like series of tournaments to like they can earn their cards and like and like prove their status for like the following season, which I guess is fine. But like this is like feels like uh, it's like a panic move for the PGA realizing that they're that live is going to be a big, big factor for them. And exactly. Especially since Brooks Kepka and Abraham Answer are going to be joining Liv uh, once their ter- once their uh, tournament in Portland takes effect in the week after the week after this. Yeah, so I I, I hope for Liv, like because clearly me and you aren't picking sides here. No, like we, we I'm on the side of golf and nobody should give a fuck. Right, exactly. So like. I'm. I just hope, like for live, like they can actually get some broadcasting rights and stuff because they will struggle with that with people having to into their website because it is kind of like hard. Like it's, it's not paying because it's clear stream on Facebook and YouTube or their website. But it's like you would like to see that kind of look like a little better, like with how you saw how they had like their scoreboard up and look like the F1 race, which I didn't. I didn't mind. I said this last week. Like I kind of like look at the teams, but like, I said it kind of did block off the screen, like you said. I said that I didn't mind it, like, on the pod, but then, like, when I was watching it, like, the next day, I texted you, and I said, 
I fucking hate this. And then you asked me why. And I said, well, if something goes to the left, like, how the fuck am I going to know where it's at? Like, the cameraman would have to be, like, right on that, like, follow that right from the get-go there. And I'm thinking to myself, but I don't think they're going to change it at all. And like you said about with Liv, like, they do need to get a broadcasting deal. Um, because their viewership numbers, like they only averaged like 40,000 people, like in total, like on their YouTube page, I believe, which isn't bad considering it's like a live sporting event, but it's also not good at all. Like you want exposure, like having it like on YouTube and Facebook and your website, not ideal there. I mean, I, I mean, like. YouTube 40,000 averaging isn't bad. I don't know what the numbers were for Facebook or their website, but I can only imagine they're probably significantly lower considering, well, nobody like really goes onto a website to stream anything anymore and, or ever at that point or has never probably done that um, unless it's like some illegal streaming of God knows what. Or, and the thing is though, is like who uses Facebook to like stream things anyways? Like, you have to like, you have to like be like some old golf enthusiast that like knows that live golf is there, and you somehow know how to stream on their on Facebook. Exactly. Like it's not like, like thankfully, like for me, like I was able to like find it on YouTube. My one friend was trying to stream it on YouTube, and he texted me that he texted me on Friday. Like, what the fuck happened to my stream? Like, it just completely shit the bed. And I said, mine didn't. And he's like, how did yours not shit the bed? I said, I've got the stream on right now. And I sent him a picture. And he's like, what stream are you watching? And I said, the one that says, like, the li- that's from Live Golf itself. And he's, <laughs> and I'm like, Where, what were you watching? And he's like, oh, shit, my stream must have been a fake stream. Because, like, it was, like, Live Golf 2022 or something like that. And and I guess, like, that stream got shut down, like, after the first, like, four holes or whatever. Makes sense, I guess. <laughs> so he was watching, like, somebody. So he was watching, like, a, so he was watching, like, a fake. Like, he was watching somebody who, like, was able to, like, take the stream from Liv, put it on their own. Right, even though it was already a free stream. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Like there were multiple like channels doing that too, which was crazy. Cause I almost like, I almost like got onto one of them too. And I'm like, no, wait a second. This isn't what I want. Like I realized like, that's not what I want because it was just showing Phil Mickelson highlights. And I'm like, I don't need to watch Phil that badly. No, I mean, like I said, I'll tune in and stuff just like I would the PGA, but like, they if they keep bringing in the bigger names and yeah more people are gonna go watch live because they want to see better golfers but right now it's kind of like a healthy mix with what they have especially adding brooks kepka as like a big name and abraham answer is yes a good golfer but he's not like i know him like that name because like i'm in like the golf like circle like in social media and stuff i don't know if like the average viewer would know who abe answer is yeah, another name that that caught the that caught my attention today not i know that we had talked about this like this name, like, I know we had talked about Zal Torres before we start recording, but obviously, like, he's not going to, like, come. I, I don't think that he will join Liv, but uh, Victor Hovland, actually, I heard, saw this morning may, may, may be up for consideration, may be considering to join Liv Golf as well, which would be another young golfer, like, that 
would jump ship and you know if, right, if especially with how part, good he is as well yeah exactly like he's a good young golfer like 24 years old and what is he he's like eighth in like the pg in like the world golf rankings right now yeah he's eighth in the world and the thing is there is like if more and more young, like, it's not just the present that's, like, leaving the PGA. The future of the PGA Tour is also leaving, too, if this continues to happen. And another thing, and another thing as well is that Greg Norman actually wants to find a way to, like, make his live golf events count for points in the world ranking system. So, like, they want to be, like, accredited with the world golf rankings for that purpose, too. So, if that's a, so if that, if that happens as well, then more and more players may be inclined to leave because not only would it not only obviously financial stability, but also, like, there's actual some golf stability there, too. Like, if they golf really well, like, if they, if they golf better, like, if one golfer go- – has a better tournament than their competitor then of course world rankings could be affected as well which obviously happens on the pga tour from time to time even though we don't really hear about it because how often do the world rankings change yeah not very much but i do wonder how that would affect it though with them only playing eight tournaments a year I feel like the live schedule like will increase in 2023 i agree with that I, I think maybe they'll double their tournaments at least from 8 to 16. I don't think they'll go much further than that. I mean, I could be completely wrong here. And Greg Norman and the rest of, like, the leadership of Live Golf may just be planning, like, 30 events, may just plan, like, 25 events, 25, maybe 30 events at the most. Yeah. Which wouldn't be terrible because, like, they would still have, like, 22 they would still have like 25, 26 to 30 weeks, like 20, 20 to 26 weeks like left to do whatever. Right. And of course, that is what the kind of the original plan was for Liv to kind of be like a competitor for the PGA Tour. But then they kind of like once everything, all the backlash came out, they decided to go down to eight. So like you said, it wouldn't surprise you if they get up to more. It all depends on like what courses like want to have a Liv golf event too. I mean, the thing is there is like, they need to find courses that are okay with this, that aren't afraid of backlash. I mean, there is, I mean, the thing is though, is like there are some really nice courses that the PGA tour and other like or golf organizations draw like disassociated with that live golf said, we don't care who the fuck you are. Like your courses, like the courses that you own are really nice. And we'll have three of our golf events at your, uh, uh, we'll have three of our t- our eight events at golf courses that you own. Um, I think you know where I'm going with that. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yeah. Um, uh, don't, um, I, but yeah, I, I mean, mean like, yeah, like we said last week, like it's kind of just like him giving like a fuck you to the PGA for them kind of pulling their stuff out. Exactly, like he doesn't get, like he, like he doesn't care. The live golf doesn't care. Like I have always said, golf is golf. Like. Uh, like, like golf is golf, no matter what. Like, I don't like, I don't see a big deal on using golf courses. There's no big deal with like trying to like, you know, create more stability, whether it's like from a professional standpoint or a financial standpoint, it's a whatever to me. Um, 
But they could really play like a half a season at Trump Course as well because he has like 15 of them. Exactly. You could play half a season at like there. All depends on like where they're actually located too. I mean, I don't know like where all of them are located. I got uh, I got the map up of them right now. <laughs> oh, you look. Oh, you actually knew I was gonna bring this up. Um, no, but like as we were talking about, I just kind of typed it in and I just looked up his properties and. So you got really all over the world. You got a couple in Scotland, a couple in Ireland, New York, yeah. Florida, Cali, Jersey, North Carolina, um, Philly, DC, and Indo- and two in Indonesia. Where's the one in Philly? Uh, it just says Philadelphia. Oh, uh, probably outside of Philly somewhere. Definitely. Yes, not. Thomas, it's probably like in the city. Um, you got one in Dubai. Yeah, honestly, you probably could just strike a partnership with the man. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, you're already in bed with the Saudis. Might as well just go into bed with Donald Trump as well at this point, too. Who cares? Right. I mean, Eight, so he has 18 courses altogether. That, like, you could have 18 events. You could be like, all right, we're going to play half our season there, and the rest, like, we're going to pick where we want to go. Like, if they did want to get into bed with that. Um, exactly. I don't know. Like, Saudis, I mean, let's like, be honest. Like, the Trump courses, I don't care where you line up on the spectrum, whether you're Democrat or Republican. They're beautiful golf courses. Exactly. I don't care where you line up. They, you I don't can't care where you that. line up either, whatever wacko end of the spectrum that you line up on. Um, uh, but the thing is, though, it's like, yeah, they're beautiful courses. And like you said, 18 courses, 18 golf courses. Like, I, it would not surprise me if, like, Greg Norman and Live Golf try to actually, like, get into bed with a partnership with him because – you know, might as well. Like I said, you know, you're already in bed with the Saudis getting their money. Like you're facing criticism from that. Like it was like, like, you know, why, why not at this point? You're going to get criticized no matter what you're going to get criticized for anything else that you do. So why you might as well just, you know, pour get more gas. You might as well pour more gasoline into the fire at this point. Who cares? And especially since the PGA was using Trump courses since like 2009. Exactly. Like, and then all of a sudden, well, and all of a sudden, now it's like, oh no, we're pulling them. So I'm not getting into that. Though. No, so, yeah, I'm not getting into that as well. But I'm, that's right. That's what I'm saying. Like, if if you're looking at that standpoint, it's like, well, they pulled them. So like, we could just we'll take them if he's gonna let exactly. us use them. Turnberry was a very beautiful course there, and it kind of annoys me that they have. The only thing about them pulling out of Turnberry is that like, it annoy like Turnberry is that they never replaced the course in the rotation. Nope. So. Instead of it being in every 10-year rotation, it's in every nine-year rotation now for the Open, and it makes no sense whatsoever. That's the only thing that kind of annoys me there. Like, if you were going to keep in every 10-year rotation, find some random fucking course in England or Scotland or even fucking Wales. Or I just throw one in there because, like, the 10, the 10 tournament rotation is perfect because then you know when you get to look forward to it. And, but now you just kind of don't, like – throwing everything off with it by trying to find one random course. I don't think they're ever going to find a random course. I think they're just going to keep it at nine. That's the one thing that I don't like about it. It made no sense to me. Um, uh, it, it, again, it made no sense. But, no, I mean, definitely interesting to see, like, how Portland turns out for Liv. I mean, I still – again, I feel like more golfers will – like, will not, – not too many golfers will, like, join Liv before Portland. But I feel like – I feel like a hand. I literally feel like a handful could join before Portland. So oh, like I, I think that as well. A and, solid five or six could definitely pull out. Right. With that though, I am so confused as to what they're doing with the teams because like it looks like like I said they're drafting again, which I don't get. Why like if you're playing like for team points, why you just want to keep the same teams year round and make trades like if the player like the captains wanted? Yeah, it would make sense to me unless that's what they plan on doing. But like, 
is that from the looks of the website, it still looks like the draft will happen. It makes no sense to me, honestly. I mean, I guess the teams are just kind of like, I think the teams are there just for like shits and giggles. And because at the end of the day, like it's an individual prize, no matter what, right. at the end of the day, the only thing that gets me is like, if more and more players join live, like, then they're going to make it bigger instead of the 48 player. Unless they just want to take the 48 top players in the world. They're like, this is what we have. Yeah. But then what's the point of having, then what's the point of like having like other players join? I feel like they'll just like add more teams, quote unquote, like, cause they have like four, they have like two, it's teams of four, correct? Yeah. That's what they're going to have to do. I feel like just keep adding more teams. Great. So we get to see more makeshift logos and, team names that look like they created something straight out of Madden. I love it. Yeah, and then yeah, basically. I love it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it as well. Just, uh, you know, create create a franchise mode in uh, Madden practically. We're just going to use like some uh, USFL or XFL names and we're just going to use some like makeshift logos from creative franchise mode in either like Madden or NHL and just go with it. The logos have to get better, right? As the years go on with live. Um, I feel like somebody's just like using Canva and say, I feel like somebody's just pulling up Canva on their lap, on their computer. And they're saying, no, this is good enough here. We're good. We're good with it. It'll make money. Like we have no care. We don't care. Like, I feel like that's what's happening there. Basically, I mean, none of the logos, like like I said, the, my favorite one is the fireballs just because it's got the, the golf boat, the flames, and the sunglasses on. Golf boat, the flames, and the sunglasses. Somebody, yeah, they definitely have five-year-olds um, making the logos and leading the marketing team for sure. Right. Def- and like I said as well, like talking about like with Brooks joining now, like we talked about last week, it was like, well, how long till he joins when you see how much his brother's about to make? And it, I guess it only took one tournament. <laughs> Yeah, it only took one tournament for him to realize, like, shit, I'm better than my brother, and he's making more money than me because his brother golfed like shit in that tournament. Holy shit, I was like, damn. You know, you and you know, you and me could join Live Golf. Like we said this time and time again, come join, a, come, come, let us join. Or just uh, make us, like I said, make us the official like podcast of Live. Yeah, I can't wait for yeah. When that announcement comes, uh, I can't wait for the uh, backlash we'll face. If Putin if Putin formed a league, would you become the official podcast of Putin's league? Hell yeah! I'd be like, if, if the money was right, sure. How much money? How yeah, I would. How much money is he paying me? Uh, thirty grand. Thirty grand a year. Nope, 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 nope. Sorry, I, I, I need I need at least two hundred million a year. See, I think I would do it for like. Oh, we're talking about for a Putin league. Yeah, for Putin league. No, right, I know what kind of money he's got. So I'd say ten million a year. Ten million. Years, nah, it's got. Uh, joking aside, I said two hundred. It's got to be like in the millions. Like it's got to be in the millions. Yeah, so, you know? I think everybody's got a price. Everyone has a price, and you're lying. Like you said, you're lying if you don't, because we all exactly. do. Exactly. That's but um, billion dollar man Ted Ted DiBiase said, <laughs> everybody's got a. Ah, uh, but um, uh, speaking of everybody getting having a price, let's shift over to the Stanley Cup play a Stanley Cup final because, you know, maybe. Maybe, maybe Tampa may have found the answer. Uh, maybe Tampa has found the million-dollar answer as to how to get back in the series and maybe find find a way to win the whole thing again. Um, they're down two games to one. Game four tomorrow night. We have a series <laughs> that's just been one 
gut punch after another, I guess. I mean, Colorado has Colorado. Everybody thought that Colorado had a standing eight count on Tampa going into game three. And then Tampa just comes back with a sucker punch six two victory at home after getting their asses handed to them seven to nothing in game two game four tomorrow night. I'm excited. Um, Insert insert Undertaker rising from the casket meme here. Yeah, insert Undertaker. Yeah, insert. Yeah, you 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 you're thinking your ass is saved here, aren't you? (laughs) Um. Well, it it is. I mean, so the series is going seven. Series going seven. We finally, finally, finally got to see Andre Vasilevsky be who he is. After I thought the first this. The second, like the second half of game one, I thought Vasilevsky was back. Game two, it was like, all right, what the fuck's going on? Then last night, like, did Vasilevsky? Sorry to cut you off, because I didn't watch the game on Saturday. Did he play the entire game? Yep, yep. Cooper kept him in, and then said at the press conference fuck? after that that he's rode with him all season. He knows what he can, but he just kept him in there, which, in my opinion, is not a great thing to do for his confidence. But I understand because the way he bounced back in game three. Where it's like now Colorado, I think if I'm Colorado, like I, you have to go back to Kemper, I think, because it's like if you don't go back to Kemper, it shows you don't have trust in who your goaltender is. So I think if I'm Colorado tomorrow night, I have to go back to Kemper. But if if we get this Vassy the rest of the series, Tampa could win the whole damn thing. Tampa probably could win the whole damn thing. What's going on with Kucherov? I know that he left the game yesterday, um, and I know. Actually, what's going on with Kucherov and with Point? Because Point didn't play yesterday either, if I'm like from what I remember. No, I, Point didn't play. Um, he he's been skating everything because like it's a the hand he cleared the surgery on the thumb or whatever it was, and um, but I I don't know if I I think Coop will probably be back or Cooch will probably be back. I would assume Point uh, okay. is still a question mark. Points of question mark. Okay. Because the thing is, there is like, I I was thinking about the same thing for Nassim Kadri too, for Colorado. Like they were saying like he was going to be, he moved up from, from, he moved up to day to day and he's been skating a lot. And the talk is like, now that it's, now that a game five is like definitely going to happen. Like there's talk, he may come back. There's talk, he may try and come back for game five on Friday night, which would be definitely, which would be very interesting for sure. It would be interesting. Um, I don't know. Like I guess I don't know what point is gonna do. Um, I like a uh, Kucherov. Like from what I've read, like he, it says it's gonna be a game time decision. But the way uh, John Cooper talked about it, um, it seemed like he was probably gonna be a go tomorrow night. But like I said, Brandon Point. Who knows? Like how he'll be with trying to grab that stick and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, there. I mean, it all depends on how well he can grasp the stick. You know, can he firmly grasp it? <laughs> uh, and if he cannot firmly grasp it, then um, obviously he won't play. But the thing is, though, is like, no, we have ourselves a series nonetheless. I mean, I actually don't want to blow out because I didn't, like I said, I didn't watch Saturday's game. I sadly watched the Bandits completely shit the bed in their home arena for a title shot. Um, I'll get more into that later there a little bit. But then game three, complete fucking ass-kicking gut punch to Colorado Avalanche there. I 
was I was actually shook that like that happened to be honest. But at the same time, like I wasn't, I was shook, but I wasn't shook. Like I, I, I didn't expect Tampa to like do that. But at the same time, I'm like, well, Colorado has their fair share of chances too, but Tampa's got fucking all world and goal practically, even though he didn't win the Vesna this season. Um, but I really hope for a close game tomorrow night because, like, I want to be glued to the game. I don't want to have to say, fuck it, it's over with, like, 10 minutes left in the third or, or even, like, not even watch the entire third. I had it on in the background, but then I'm just like, why the fuck do I even have this on? Like, there's no way Colorado's coming back. Um, so, like, I want a close game. Series is definitely going seven. I'm glad that, like, I actually have something to watch, like, late night down in Philly now. Because game five being confirmed, obviously happening, will be on Friday night, and that'll be my first night down there. Yeah. Uh, so I do think, kind of like in the in the Rangers series, I honestly think whoever wins tomorrow night will win the cup. So I know, that, I know it's a little cliche to say because if Colorado wins, then yes, they go up three to one. So yes, it goes out. Wow, such a hard take, Jake. But I think if I think if Tampa makes this two two. Definitely go seven, and Tampa wins in seven. I think just based on the goal. If Tampa wins in game four, obviously it becomes the best of three. It becomes the best of three. Who, who can, who can, get, who can get the next two? Obviously, fuck. Don't you know? Don't say it's. A, don't be sarcastic there. I mean, how many times have the fucking networks themselves said, "Oh, game five, game four, such a crucial game." Like, if if. Joe Blow's team wins uh, game four and they go up three games to one. Like so many teams have almost only so many teams have come back from three, one deficits to win the series. Or if so-and-so or Joe Schmo's team wins game four to tie it at two, two only God knows what can happen because there'll be a best of three, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think, I think though, like if, if Colorado does lose tomorrow, it's going to be a big gut punch. But, I mean, we kind of saw, like, this Tampa team just has no quit. We saw them be blown out by the Maple Leafs and go to seven with them and then handle them in game seven. That's why and, like, I'm not counting this team out because – then they went two games, down two games to nothing against the Rangers and had a two-nothing deficit in game three only to come back and win that. So, yeah, like, they definitely have no quit in them for sure. Like, this team knows how to win, and I do think – if they can win tomorrow, they figure out a way to get this done. Like, like clearly, like I said, we've said the, the cliche take. If yeah, if they lose tomorrow, it's done. Whatever. But the three game series, I'm liking Tampa's chances. I know, like yes, Colorado has all this firepower, but so does Tampa. And we saw last night that they can just play with the team and handle them if they need to. Oh, I you're not wrong there, but I think Colorado bounces back tomorrow. Oh, I really no I re- question. I agree with that as well. It's going to be a closer game tomorrow night. Um, let's be honest. Like Tampa could have won Game One. We just kind of forget about that because of that blowout in Game Two. Exactly. No Game One. Tampa could have won Game One. Tampa could have won Game One. The blowout in Game Two happened. And everyone I- counted them out. Everyone counted Tampa out, and now all of a sudden. Tampa goes and do what they did in game three. And I was like, all right, we have a series again. Which exactly. is still true. Like, yes, you can look at that black eye that, okay, a 7 nothing loss in the Stanley Cup final. But then you look back at how they bounce back. It's like, yeah, these teams are both very good teams and no one's sure what is going to happen right now. Exactly. No, you're not wrong there. I mean, the thing is, is that the thing is here is that both these teams have been at the top of their game all season. 
So, like, it's we expected, like, us. I didn't expect to blow out games like back to back. And if anybody tells me that they did, I'm going to call their fucking bluff and tell them that they're bullshitting me and more shit is coming out of their mouth than it does out of their ass. Right. Uh, and people forget as well Tampa had a tough, tough road to the cup. They played a very good Toronto team that took them to seven games. They then played, they go and play the President's Cup winner and handled them with ease. And then, then they, they go and play a, like, a good New York team, which everyone kind of thought was like going to be pushovers this year, and they end up being a good team. And they make the Eastern Conference Finals, whereas Colorado practically had – Colorado had an easier run. I mean yeah, – They had like, a cakewalk to the finals. <laughs> like Daryl Suter said, the first round was a waste of eight days. I mean, Nashville never stood a chance. Um St. Then, Louis was the biggest test they stood, and St. Louis did not show up in that series by any means. It also doesn't have yeah. Bennington. They didn't have to see Bennington. Exactly. They didn't have to see Bennington because Kadri injured him. Kadri, a, a collision with Kadri got him injured, and there was more storylines with Bennington throwing a water bottle at him than there were about anything else in the series. And then Edmonton, honestly, like, they just got I, – I, Edmonton just, like – We all know they, Edmonton didn't deserve to be there. No, McDavid, like, just – McDavid's, like, back gave out from carrying the entire yeah, team. Yeah, he took that team as far as he could. And then and he that, just ran to the powerhouse that is the Colorado Avalanche. But now Colorado's also realizing they're in a series – like, this isn't just as much about what Tampa needs to do. Yes, I get Colorado's up 2-1. to one, but to do guess that. what? Colorado, you're seeing a good team now who won back-to-back Stanley Cup finals. Yes, I know people are going to say, oh, but they played Dallas and Montreal this – this Colorado team is anything like close to. Yes, I get that, but it's also still hard as fuck to win a Stanley Cup. Exactly. Definitely hard. Definitely hard here. I mean, like, no, Colorado needs to Colorado needs to, knows what they need to do here. I mean, like you said, the like you said, tomorrow there's a good chance they're probably gonna ride out with Kemper. I mean, that's why they that's why they signed him to be their number one goalie. And if you don't ride with him, obviously it shows that you don't have confidence in him. Um, I would be very shocked if they put Pavel Francouz in goal. I would be very shocked if they did. But they the th- can't. They, they need it because then what you show to them is that to Tampa and the world, it's like, we don't know what we need to do in goal against you guys. No, they have no. That that would be bad. That would be very bad. At, and That would be very bad. The only thing is, though, is like, I hate doing it, but let's play devil's advocate. Say Pavel Francouz uh, starts in goal tomorrow night for game four. What, what if he stands? What if he stands on his head, has a shutout? Then we all look like idiots. So the thing, and then everybody was, and then everybody's gonna say, "Well, we did. Well, we thought that this was gonna happen, blah blah blah." But then this turned out to be exactly what Colorado needed to do. So the thing is, though, is like, yeah, I'm gonna say like it would be bad, like show if they put Pavel Francouz in net to like because they'll show lack of confidence for Kemper and the fact that they probably don't know what to do but if they do somehow do that and he stands on his head and has a career night and goal for them like we'll, we'll we'll all look stupid so like it's kind of a lose-lose at this point so my thought process is is like they should start Kemper and goal that's what you signed him for that's like what you that's why you have him like you let like you let Philip Grubauer go in in the expansion draft. Said, "See, you, go to Seattle. Like we're gonna like get somebody else." And then they did. They got Kemper. Like they've rode with him. Um, the only reason, like, uh, 
obviously, like, I'm not no disrespect to Pavel Frankus because he did a good job standing in for Kemper. But if it wasn't for the upper body injury, then Kemper obviously would have started every game like in this playoffs because that's what you signed him for. It only took an injury to not it only took an injury for him to like not play games. And he, he didn't play six of them. No, eight of them. Yeah, eight. Yeah. But the thing well, so the thing is there is like Colorado needs to figure that out. I mean, I think he'll have a bounce back game. I mean, you know, so I mean the best defenseman in the league just got some nice added hardware for added hardware to his collection. So maybe that nice so maybe that nice Norris trophy will uh be some extra motivation for him tomorrow night because maybe, but we also got to see the depth of Tampa do what we've seen for the past two years now in the playoffs and just kind of that is how I Colorado, yes, I get Kemper let in five goals on what, twenty two shots. But yeah. Colorado's depth was just doing the work, whereas yes, I get I get their Colorado is also missing Burakovsky and they're they're still missing uh Kadri, but that's still not an excuse. No, it's not an excuse. It really isn't there. And I'm not saying that it I'm not saying it all in general. I mean Colorado's depth needs to show up more. Uh Colorado's depth needs to show up more like it was earlier on who knows? Maybe I, I I still think they'll bounce back. Who knows? Maybe maybe they'll just go out tomorrow and show that it was just an off night. Because well, I think they'll bounce back as well. But you also like saying, yeah, they're gonna bounce back and just show it was an off night. They're still playing a very good Tampa team. And I'm not saying that because like our bet we have going on, I still think this Tampa team is very very good. Well, I'm and not. They kind of give Colorado that. issues. I mean, we saw it in Game One, but like I said, that kind of became a disremembered everyone after Game Two happened with that seven nothing loss. Now we got to see a kind of a six two pounding. Where I didn't they they only scored on the power play. Colorado only scored on the power play, and that was really it. Other than that, they did nothing to test Vasilevsky. So it's like they need to show up as well, because it's not like all now on it's not all on Tampa to do what they need to do. Colorado also it's needs to like show about up. about a sixty forty, actually, I what, think. What was that? It's like a sixty forty. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, clearly it's sixty forty because one team is up two to one. That well, that's why I'm not saying it's like 50 50. Like, it's a 60 40. Like, both teams have to, both teams have, both teams have to figure out what to do to win the game. Know what both teams know what they need to figure out to win the game, win game four tomorrow night. Like, Colorado with their depth, Tampa with the Tampa just Tampa continuing to apply the pressure, playing well, like they did in game three. Colorado with the goaltending situation as well, there. Um, so like. Both teams know what they need to do. It's just a matter of how well they can execute it. Because the thing is, though, is like both teams. I, I I think both teams are going to come out strong to start the game, and it's just more along the lines of like who who make who makes a mistake first. Yeah, like, and it's nice to see teams break, that break, actually seem to like kind of hate each other. Yeah, exactly. Like they 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 hate each other too. But back to like make you know. Make a mistake first. Great take, Jeremy. Sounds so fucking cliche, but that's that's my opinion there. Like, like I feel like whoever just fucking like makes them, whoever makes the first mistake, like it's gonna eventually turn the tide in the game. Like, you know, whether it's a bad turnover here or a stupid penalty committed, like in the set, or maybe a stupid penalty committed, like in the second period, like a like a cross check or something. Say like s- seven minutes into the second period or whatever, like. 
for either team. And then all of a sudden, like momentum rides after a power play goal gets scored because power play, like, you know, maybe, you know, the pot, like, like you said there with Colorado and their power play. Yeah, it was effective there, but they need to be better five on five too. Um, maybe they should take some uh, lessons from the book of uh, Calgary and see like what, and learn what they did. Oh, and no, and find out like what they did that made them so effective with five on five there. Um, uh, but who do you think, who do you, do you think Tampa actually wins the game tomorrow night? All aside, like everything we talked about, I know we have our bet going on. Um, do you think they win the game? Yes. You think I they do, win- just based on the fact that like, how good this team has played at home throughout the playoffs. Yeah, they're a better team at home than they are on the road. I didn't realize that they had an under 500 record on the road. Yep, and there's now they're 8 and 1 at home. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be 8 and 2. I think Colorado wins tomorrow night. And again, I'm not trying to take that I'm not taking into consideration or better or anything like that. I just think that I just think that – I just think that – because Colorado's been – I've – No, yeah, I'm not taking that into consideration either. I'm just taking it to the fact that how Andre Vasilevsky looked. And, like, I've talked about all playoffs. Like, if this guy gets hot, you can't – you're not beating him. No, you're not wrong. Though. We I'm, saw that last night, and if he's riding this – All year about how you've said Colorado's been the best team no matter what. And, and I – about – no matter what. But so, what did I also say in the beginning of the season, though, that we didn't I mean, talk about the beginning of the playoffs as well, you go with the best goaltender in the playoffs, and we all know who that is, especially with how Kemper – yes, Kemper played good the first yeah, but two games. Belovsky, I know what you're saying there. So I guess it's just a matter of a battle of, like, what, you say, what you've been saying here all along. Like, I'm saying – I'm agreeing with one thing you said. You're riding with another thing you said here. Um, it don't, I, I guess we'll just, we'll just see what happens tomorrow night. This and I I, just, I hope it is a good game as well though, because like, I don't want to see like another blowout where the oh, game is no, over. Like, blowout, like I'm definitely not watching the third period. Like it will probably be just like background noise at that point, and I can't deal with that. Basically, yes, I can't deal with that. Like I need like another part. Like I don't know. Like I said, I think Colorado will win tomorrow night. This bit. Tomorrow night, I know that I said the series. I think the series could go seven two. So the thing is, though, is like, if, well, if Col- if Tampa wins, like you've got a chance to go seven. If Colorado wins, I think it'll go seven still somehow. That means Tampa will find a way to win two more games before a game seven back in uh, Ball Arena. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. Um, all I know is that like the Cup final has been very interesting, and we're almost in July, and hockey is still not over somehow. <laughs> It's fine. I mean, I'm enjoying it because this is the only thing we have left now. I mean, yeah, we got baseball on, but you're not huge into baseball like I am. No, I can't sit down and watch full games. Like I said, I get my Mets updates, and that's really it. And I'll follow like other stuff. Your but Mets I'll just are... follow the Mets, and right now we're down three nothing. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say they're losing three to nothing. The Yankees lost. Oh shit! They lost five to four. Oh damn! It also doesn't help that uh, they hit. I think Houston hit three home runs in the third inning. Ah, all right. We'll shift to baseball now, talking about the teams with the best. Well, do we want to talk about the, uh, the the trophy winners in the NHL since they were announced tonight? Oh, yeah. Fest? Before we go into a baseball rundown, my apologies there. I first, and I know I was – no, I didn't sh- – I, did, I wasn't talking with you about these before. I was talking with another friend of mine. Um, uh, 
Yeah, so honestly, no real surprises, honestly, though, about like the trophy winners like that were announced, in my opinion. I mean, Austin Matthews had a wonderful season winning the one to heart trophy as the MVP. He also won the Ted Lindsay Award as the best regular season player, too. Kale McCarr won the Norris as the best defenseman, although that could have been a toss up between him and Roman Yossi. Um, I was leaning more towards McCarr. If I said here that I, I, I said on here that I think McCarr would win, correct? Yes, we both did that. We both said Igor would win. Um, the Hart so Trophy, I think, if you're like, if it was the, actually the MVP, like how it's supposed to be for a team, I think it ha- like it should have went to McDavid because if you take McDavid off of Edmonton and if you take Matthews off of Toronto, I still think Toronto is a playoff team, whereas Edmonton without McDavid are not a playoff team. So Edmonton it was like, but yeah, exactly, but. Matthew's got the heart because of a 60 goal season. We haven't seen that since 2012 since Stamkos did it. But if, if it was actually like an MVP, like, like it was supposed to be the most valuable player to the team award, then I think it could have went to McDavid. But I mean, I'm not going to be mad at the Matthews pick. I just think like if you take McDavid off, like I'm just looking at like if you take McDavid off and Matthews off, which team struggles more? And it's clearly Edmonton without McDavid. Oh, Edmonton would struggle ten times as part more than ten times more than than um, Toronto would without Matthews. I mean, Toronto's Toronto has like five other top forwards that they can rely on, whereas Edmonton has just Leon Draisaitl. And the thing is, though, is without Connor McDavid, who knows how Leon Draisaitl will actually will actually be. But I mean, that's a that's a that's a topic for discussion for if if Connor McDavid ever leaves Edmonton, but. I mean, the thing is, there is like my. I think I said this earlier on the pod too. Like, if the MVP award was awarded to the best player, like in the league every year, like or most valuable to the team, Connor McDavid would be a five or six times MV Hart Trophy winner. True. And the thing is, though, is you can't keep doing the. Like, I don't think the league wants that to happen. Like, they don't want that to happen, honestly. So, like, because let's be honest, Connor McDavid is the – let's be honest, like, as good as Austin Matthews is, like, Connor McDavid's still better than him overall, in my opinion. Like, in my opinion, like, I have to, like Connor McDavid, best player in the league, hands down. Austin Matthews, without doubt, top five. But – Yeah, I agree with that. But the thing is, though, is like you said, like you said, 60-goal season. Like, that hasn't happened in 10 years. Steven Stamkos was the last one. So, I think that Matthews got rightfully um, uh, rightfully deserved that award just based on – Oh, yeah, the- like I said, I'm not going to complain about it. Because, nah. like I said, that happens once, like you said, the last time it happened was 10 years ago. And and especially in the league we play in LA, this year was a little different because there was a lot of scoring this year, but the league's past where scoring has been down. Um but I'll take it. And then one last thing on the NHL as well, just before we move on to baseball, is just that uh, DeBoer was uh, hired by the Stars, which I'm not shocked about. But like oh, we always talk about, we always talk about the old man club where they just keep replacing coaches and they never sorry. get anywhere else. Which I think DeBoer was kind of wrongfully fired from Vegas, anyways. Eichel's going to have more coaches fired than he will have playoff appearances by the time he retires. Right. Like, I don't think DeBoer should have been fired from no. Vegas by any means. Like, he does, he does deserve a job, but it's like, we just with all the keep cycling the old man, like, we got 
Well, you got um Tortorella now going to Philly. That's gonna be a terrible move. That that's a terrible decision on Philadelphia's part. He's for cup contenders, not for rebuilding. He's gonna. Uh, I, I I disagree because you look at this Philly team from last year. Their main problem, like people want to say, oh, it was Carter Hart, Carter Hart, Carter. It was not. It was the defense that was played in front of Carter Hart that left him to dry so many times throughout the season. I do yeah. think this Philly team under under Tortorella is going to be better because of his style of play. Um, but now as well with uh, Cassidy going to um, – where did Cassidy get fired? He went to Vegas. Oh, yeah, Cassidy went to Vegas. So now I do think Another this, I I think this now means Trotz goes to Winnipeg. I don't, think, I don't think he's going to go to Detroit. Trotz will definitely go to Winnipeg, and that will be a great hire for Winnipeg, too, in my honest opinion, because Barry Trotz is a very good coach. And he's uh, only two hours away from Winnipeg. Exactly. Grew up, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Vegas. Did you hear how much money he turned down, though, from Philly? No, I don't. No, I did not. How much? Trotz turned down $7 million a year to coach Philly, I guess which is ridiculous for a coach. He thought he must have thought Philly was a bigger show than it is. Then. Or he's also looking. I know the the big thing he said. He came out in an interview and said, "Well, not okay, I don't remember if it was an interview or what it was, um, but he said the main concern is his family because I think it's either his wife has medical issues or someone in his family that he wants to make sure they're in good care." Yeah, so it makes sense if he goes to Winnipeg then because he's closer to his family. And again, Winnipeg isn't a. Winnipeg with the right coach could be turned around like really quick. And Trotz is a good coach. So I think. Out a way to keep Shifley, though. Huh? They would need to figure out a way to keep Shifley around. Exactly. No, without a doubt there. I, I, you know, I, I really kind of want to, I kind I want to disagree with you on the torts move. Like I like torts. Don't get me wrong. You've heard me praise the man. Like, I think he's a good coach. I just don't think it's going to be the ideal situation for him. Um, just based on, just based on that Philly's kind of rebuilding. Yeah, they'll improve, but I don't think they'll improve that much. I think it'll take like two to three years. I think it'll be like a trot situation when he went to um, the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, the Islanders were a shit show before he got there. I guess it all depends on how the And then he'd be turned them into one of the best offensive teams in hockey. I think it'll, I guess it all depends on how the players adapt to Torts' like coaching style. Like if they turn out to like bitch and moan, like how he, like on his previous teams that eventually got him fired, um, it's not going to end well. Um, if it, if nobody actually gives a shit about how Torts coaches, then. Then they'll do wonders, I guess. Um, I don't know. I also kind of hate the Flyers, so I kind of want them to shit the bed for some time. So it'd be good. But Torts also said that this is his last coaching gig too. So it um, it makes me wonder how much long how long he's actually going to be in Philadelphia. How long was this contract for, anyways? Was that disclosed? Um, I just know that they. I said, let me see. I know that the Flyers just practically said, "Here's our coach." Normally, the coaching contracts aren't released. Those are normally, like, disclosed. Let's see. Sources say four years, 16 million. So, four by four, it looks like. Four by four. That's not terrible. Okay. Um, Going back to Vegas real quick. 
they've kind of shot themselves in the feet and the foot multiple times with their coaching decisions. I mean, I'm still annoyed that they fired Gallant. They never really should have fired him and replaced him with DeBoer. I feel like Gallant got a bad look there, like getting fired. Um, and then, so, I mean, I feel like Vegas is just going to like, I feel like Vegas is going to be like PSG with their quote unquote sporting project. They're just going to keep hiring and firing coaches until they finally get it right. And I feel like they'll never get it right. No matter who they have on their team, because I, I, you know, you're probably going to hate this comparison I'm making here, but when you look at Vegas and you look at PSG, I mean like their ownership, like they kind of just like want, like it's a kind of like a revolving door. They of coaches, they have like, they have star players that like, they have a good amount of star players on both sides um, there. But the thing is, though, is like the finish, the end, the end result is always the same coming up short or in this case, like PSG, like their main goal is to win the Champions League. They've come up short. I mean, they made a final two years ago now, um, two seasons, no, three seasons ago now, but they haven't come close since. Vegas made the cup final in their inaugural inaugural season. They haven't come close since. I mean, they bottled it against San Jose. They ended up losing to Mon- they bottled it against San Jose. Um, I forget I forget the result in the bubble playoffs, but then and then last season they last season they lost to Montreal in the semifinals and this year they didn't even make the playoffs. So the results keep getting worse and worse there. So, but the thing is, there was like, we talked about it. Vegas hasn't had a number of injuries there and talking about the board getting fired. I don't, that's not on the board there. Like, I know it's a play with what you have type of situation there, but the thing is, is like, I think he got, I I don't, I don't think he got a good deal out of that. I think he kind of got a unfair, like like an unfair share being booted like that. Um, I don't the Cassidy hire definitely intrigues me. Um I think my words exactly to you were why did this move happen? <laughs> if I remember correctly, but it's Vegas, so it's again I, mean, I think like Cassidy's a good coach, don't get me wrong. It's just the players didn't like him in Boston. But who's to say? Because they're kind of like a veteran team over in Vegas. So I normally like the, normally those like tougher coaches are good with the veteran teams. I'm thinking about how to, hmm. but but see, I don't want to like put holes into your argument here. But Boston is like one, Boston's one of the teams in the league that like is mainly comprised of veterans and none of the veterans liked him. I mean, Bert- I guess it's coming out now that, um, uh, that, um, what's well, just not Marshawn, um, astronaut purse passionate liked him. I don't think Bergeron does, but I also read something that he did and didn't agree with the firing. So I don't. So I don't. So I guess the reports out of Boston are mixed then, because like I was, because uh, from what I was seeing was like Bergeron was gonna leave or eventually retire, but then when Cassidy got fired, he made he decided he was thinking about staying in Boston because he got fired. No, Pasternik, uh, Pasternik, Pasternik, like he liked Cassidy, but 
the thing is, there is like wasn't not- Ka- wasn't Cassie also there for like six years? Cassie was there for like a long time. So he like it wasn't as veteran of a team, I guess you could say then. Yeah, but so I think it's more along the lines of like the lack of success. It's more along the lines of the lack of success there. And I guess the Boston media is just more along the lines of like trying to create like some tabloid bullshit story, I guess. Because when you look at it, like the Bruins had no success under Cassidy. They made one cup final and yet went to seven games. But that was probably a cup that they, that cup, they probably should have won the cup in 2019 when you look at it. I mean, the Blues were, the Blues just got hot at the right time, but Boston, Boston was a, Boston I, was a better team. Yeah. Uh, they got, the Blues got great goaltending from Bennington. Bennington and Ryan O'Reilly played out of this world. Out of this world. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, that trade. I still can't fucking believe the result of that trade. Yeah, okay. Con Smythe winner and fucking cup winner. Meanwhile, um, uh, fu- it's mean- looking good now considering what Taze Thompson has kind of developed into. And Ryan and- O'Reilly, just an old man. Yeah, and who was the pick we got for that? I forget who the pick was. I just remember the fact that like we got Patrick Berglund in, in that trade too. Yeah. And- he turned out pretty. He he started out decent, and then he went a wall, and uh, and I felt like I felt bad for I felt bad for the guy like when I found out he went a wall because the thing is I was like you don't know like what's going on in someone's head, but at the same time it's like Jesus Christ like we fucking got somebody that got that went like a wall like nobody knows where he's at. Yeah, and but was it, it so? Bulk, so Bulk was in that trade as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's the. It might not pan out as nice as we think because that was uh, in that trade. We also drafted Ryan Johnson, who decided to go back for another year of college, and he will be able to pick wherever he wants to join at the end of the season. Yeah, no, that trade's that trade's a fucking loss. That trade is a. Well, loss. I mean, if if Cage Thompson can continue to be like a thirty-five to forty, like hopefully next year he scores forty. If he turns into be a forty goal scorer consistently in the league, then you're looking at the trade like, okay, this isn't as bad as it was. No, it's not as bad as it and was. And who was our second round pick last year in the 2021 draft? Ah, oh, fuck. I forget who it was. Damn. I, you know, me keeping track of hockey draft um, picks. Let's see. Oh, we got, um, I think it was that the, the Palatpov, right? That's who we took in that pick from. And where is he? Right now he's not in Russia. I don't know he's from Russia. Oh, so he's in Russia still, probably. In yeah, the I, don't, I don't know, but he was just a second round pick that I'm pretty sure we had gotten from. A... He's playing in the MHL right now. The MHL. MHL, yes. Is that major hockey league? Uh, I don't know, but the Sabers still haven't signed him yet. Oh well, that's okay. Definitely not a deal there, then. Um, uh, definitely not ideal, but, yeah, uh, no, I don't know. I'm yeah, no. It is. Oh, speaking of coaches, Edmonton extended their head coach today. Oh yeah. They extended Woodcroft, right? Yeah. They extended Woodcroft, uh, until 2020, 2024. Yeah. 24, 25 season, I believe. So definitely. So Edmonton showing faith that in Woodcroft because of how he got them to the cup final. It's just a matter of the moves that they make, like in the off season, Obviously, with goaltending and uh, the Western Conference Final, 
I mean, yeah, Western Conference Final, Jesus, and you had great fucking observation there, Jeremy. Can't fucking duh, doesn't even know like what conference Edmonton's in. Jesus Christ. Um. Uh, well, you said the, you said the Cup Final. You didn't even say the Eastern Conference Final. So. Oh fuck me, Jesus. <laughs> so I just had to correct you there, so people didn't get confused. Oh fuck me, Jesus Christ! I said Cup Final. I'm speaking too fast. Holy shit. Um. Uh, yeah, they made the Western Conference Final there, so they're showing confidence in Woodcroft, which is good. But it's just a matter of the moves that they make in the offseason. Obviously, with goaltending, because who knows where Mike Smith is going to go. He may want to stay one more year, or he may just decide to, you know, join the retirement party and, uh, you know, collect his retirement benefits at this point. And then, of course, also what they want to do with Evander Kane. But um, Edmonton can figure it out after the Cup Final. Um, uh the, I, I'm sure that uh, Ken Holland will figure out something. Um, although, although if he doesn't give it, honestly, for- I think there's going to be at least 30 teams in the league calling for Evander Kane. You're going to say so? All the teams? No, nope. all, all the teams but Buffalo and San Jose. All the teams but Buffalo and San Jose. That's why I said there's going to be 30 teams calling for him. Yeah, all uh, San Jose definitely not calling him. They 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 want nothing to do with him. They don't care that he was their leading points getter. He just played himself into another contract though, and if he, he did, but the thing is though, San Jose is going to be like, we want nothing to do with you because like you all like you got suspended and like you're right. fucking like a walking cancer at this point. Would you take him back in Buffalo? Where would he fit? That's a that's the question. Like, where would he fit? Like, uh, I think we're, we're going to move on from Middlesat this summer. Also, we kind of like. Also, we kind of like forced him out, and yeah, that, I wouldn't want him anyways because yeah, of the process you have coming up. Because next year we're going to have Paterka and Quinn coming up, and I think they probably fit. Let's see, you move. So let's see. First line is definitely probably Tate is what again Thompson Skinner Tuck. Yep. Second line, I could really, honestly, I could honestly see Paterka, Krebs, and Quinn as our second line. Jeez, wow. Unless you want to move Cousins into that second, keep him on the second line. I'll keep Cousins. Uh, Who are you going to put Cousins with on the third? Depends what we do with Asplund. And if Olofsson stays, you put Olofsson third with Cousins. I think they're going to move on from that. I don't think they want to pay him the $4 million. I think they're going to move on from him. You think they're going to move on from who? Olofsson, because I don't think they want to pay him the $4 million. Oh, I think they're going to move on as well. But then it's like, well, who do you bring in? And that's – is that where Evander Kane comes in? No, I don't think the Sabres would. I was just asking you that, like, would you just want him, like, if the Sabres were to take him back? I wouldn't care. Oh, I wouldn't care either because he's a good hockey player. No, I say this with, like, full confidence. When I say I mean like we forced him out, I don't mean the organization did. I mean like he wanted to go because of the fans. Yeah. Just like Ryan O'Reilly wanted to leave because of the fans. Like the fan base like in that period was very fucking toxic. And and if anybody tries to tell me that the fan base in that era was not, you're a fucking liar. No, they like, were terrible. Full, like I will go full fucking Peter Mansbiz on you and just declare war on the fucking fan base by and call all of you out for being lying fucks because that fan the fan base of that fight of that stretch there was fucking abysmal everybody bitched everybody moaned it wasn't every, even fun to be a Sabres fan it wasn't fun to be a Sabres fan because yeah 
yeah, the team sucked. But the thing is, though, is we didn't need the fu- we didn't need the, the fan base like getting into it with each other on social media or in public or anything like that, or even call- calling out the players like that. Yeah, yeah, we know that like the team sucked, but you didn't need to make it a fucking living hell for everybody else. And yet, somehow these people are somehow verif- somehow these people are knowledgeable, quote unquote, knowledgeable Sabres fans on Twitter, and it's like. How are you here? You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. That's most of the Sabres fans, to be honest. That's most of everybody. That's most of everybody. They all think they have the answers when they don't. They. That's most of every Buffalo sports fan. <laughs> that includes the Bills Twitter. Both Twitters are bad. Yeah, it's it's a toxic sports town for sure. Very toxic, very fucking toxic. I guess we, I guess we did go full biz. Yeah, but no, we really, I honestly, we don't have room for Kane next year, especially because Quinn definitely played himself to get, to get a spot in the lineup. Oh yeah, Paterka, we could do something like we did with Derek Roy, where remember how we kept him in the AHL for like twenty games, like after he had that, he had the good season in Rochester. Then everyone thought he was going to be up, and then they kept him in Rochester for twenty games, then brought him up, and they seemed like he was ready. Yeah, I they could do that with Paterka, I think, because I think Quinn for sure is in the lineup to start next year. Paterka oh, to me is still a question mark. No, you're not wrong there. I can see that happening. I can see that happening as well. I mean, obviously, Krebs will be. I mean, obviously, like you know, Krebs won't. Krebs won't. Krebs won't be seen anytime here at Rochester at all, unless he gets injured. God forbid. No, yeah, Krebs is for sure a full-time Sabres player next year. And then it's just a matter of what you want to do with the third and fourth lines. Right. Like, um, like Cousins, Cousins will be third line center. It all depends on what you want to do with Asplund. Because you could honestly really, if, if you move on from middle stat, which I think we should, you could move Cousins up to second and put Quinn at third. But then it's like, well, Quinn needs to play with, like, with, soup, like, with good players in order to produce. Is that like put like when Jeff Skinner was on the fourth line under fucking – What's that? Fuck, oh, yeah, fucking bozo coach. Yeah, it's like you're going to need to play Quinn with players who – because he's a, he's a point producer, and you're going to need to put him with people who can get points. Otherwise, he, he's going to come to Buffalo. If he's sitting on the third line, people are going to complain that he's not ready, whereas like he is. It's just you need to put him in the right fit. You need to fit, put him in the right Unless fit. Unless what you do is you do you do Quinn, Paterka, Krebs, third line, move Cousins up to second, and then who's second line with? And then who's second line there? Skinner, or no? Skinner? Skinner's still on first with Thompson and Tuck, I think. Oh yeah, no, you said that there. My apologies. But like, I'm just thinking, like, if you want the third, like, you could even make that third line, like the young line, the second line, because like they don't really name lines in Buffalo. It's just like if they're playing, they they play like although I'll play the same amount of time. The Quinn Paterka Krebs line could be like the kid line, like the Rangers have, right? Where, yeah, you could kind of you could play them as a third line, but give them second line minutes so that way they're kind of playing like the other team's not their better players, exactly. And then exactly. have them get the points there, exactly. And then, of course, the fourth line would just be like the depth players, like, of right. course, like uh, Akposo and Oso, Gergensen, and he can. Do we move on from? I think Eakin? I think Eakin's gone. What uh, Bjork? Is, do you think he's back next year? What's even Bjork's contract? I have no idea what his contract is. Jesus, I'm more. 
I forgot about that. Oh, God. So Bjork, Gergensen, and Acaposo as the fourth line. It would be a terrible fourth line, honestly. No, it wouldn't be. It would not be. I just that. don't know, like, what you do with it because, like, you have the kids coming. That's the reason, like, you can't really bring anyone in as well because you're going to have to pay Darlene soon. You're going to have to pay power in two years. You're going to have to pay these young kids coming up. You're going to have to figure out, I want to give Thompson a contract this year so he doesn't play himself into a bigger contract next year. Exactly. I think right now you look at Thompson, you go, okay, I'm going to give you like what, you know six, six by six. Yeah, six by six would be a good deal. The thing is, I feel like, is that they're going to prioritize goalie a lot more than like anything else. Because well, the thing that, that's nice right now. So, let's say, but not nice because everybody went back to fucking school, right. so we don't know what to do here. Well, like, well, okay, so thing, and I'm not fucking putting Tokarski or Aaron Dellen next. No, no, and so let's see. You got if Craig Anderson wants to stay, I say you go him. Like you go one two here with him and um, Ukapeka Luke and barring he can stay healthy. If Ukapeki Lukan can't stay healthy, I say you move on and you look at um, the kid from Michigan. Um, yeah, but he went back to school. Yeah, I know. But then you look at him, like, because clearly he can next year he can sign anywhere he wants. But if you move on from Lukan and be like, hey, you want to come in right now, you you can fight with the uh, for a spot. Clearly he'll be in Rochester. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense there. It's just more along the lines of, like, yeah, it's just more along the lines of like what exactly happens there. I remember sending you something about like wild moves that could but that people think could happen. And it was Marc Andre Fleury to Buffalo, and I said to you, "Imagine the scenes if this fucking happens." <laughs> it's not going to happen though. No. I would, I, I would literally fuck. I, I, I would have to check myself into the hospital if that fucking happened. Because, I mean, next year, clearly Devin Levi is going to sign, but he'll probably stay in Rochester for two years. Yeah, at least. Goalies take long to develop. And then, like I said, uh, Eric, or not Portillo. Is it Portillo? Yeah, it's Portillo from Eric Michigan. Portillo from Michigan, yeah. If, if you move on from Ukapekalukan and then you say to him, yes, we want you here and we think, like, you can be a big part in this role, and him and Devin Levi in a couple of years could be our one-two punch that the Sabres have been looking for for years. Exactly. No, you're not. But wrong. the problem is now with him being able to go wherever he wants, he may not want to stay in Buffalo. He may exactly. want exactly, and That's he doesn't seem like a kid from like what the reports I heard, like podcasts and stuff I've listened to about it, and like them talking about him. He's not someone who likes to fight for the competition. Who where like Le- Devin Levi would love it to like fight for the con- like fight for his job. Exactly. Like they, they said that he wouldn't be willing to do that, and that's why I don't think. Him or or Johnson next year will be signing with Buffalo. I think Johnson's gone because you look at our defense right now. It's like, well, where does he fit? Because clearly we got our one, our one and two down. Like we got Samuelson and Darlene, and then Power and Yoki Haru. Unless you want to go get a righty shot defenseman, because we don't have one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, they definitely have. They definitely have to. Ha- they definitely have a lot to figure out more so than we than a lot of people thought going into the off season, not only just for like next season, but also for long-term future as well with the contracts, like who they want to put in positions like on lines and everything who, how they want the roster to be built, obviously. So the thing is though, is like, 
they're not in a great they're not in a great place, but they're not in a complete shit show either. No, I mean like we got a lot of talent coming up, which is good. Yes, we're gonna have to suffer with this team maybe not being competitive the next two years. But I mean, if, if they can close, if they can start the season like kind of play how they did through the finish of the season, we have an actual spot at a wild card because I on like I think the East this year, um especially the division, the Sabres was just so lopsided because you had four really good teams. And after that, there was just a big drop off. Oh no, you're not wrong there. And the thing is too, is like, you've got teams that like will eventually start to fade, like, like Boston, like nobody knows what's going to happen. Yeah, with Boston's going to struggle this year. Next I mean, season. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Year, like Pittsburgh. the Red Wings are on their way up. I think the senators are on their way up. And I also yeah. think you look at a team like the devils, they're on their way up. They, they seem to figure out goaltending, and I think they're kind of in the same boat the Sabres are. It's like, they're right there. They just need that little extra boost. They need the boost, exactly. And then you've got another team like Boston, like the Peng- like the Penguins, that you don't know what they're going to do. You, they don't right. – rumor says that they don't want to re-sign Malkin. They don't um, – so if Malkin leaves, I mean, then, like, there goes – it's practically an end of an era. They'll, they'll be, like, in rebuild mode, and then it'll just be a matter of not if, but when Crosby decides to finally hang him up, I guess, because – who knows how long he'll want to stay? Uh, who knows I mean, how? Just look, look, look at the difference in like the top eight teams in the East this year compared to the to the bottom feeders. It's like every team that was in the playoffs had a hundred points. The closest team to a hundred points was the Islanders with eighty four, who I think are still a good team. It's just they, they struggled just this year with season. COVID. Yeah, they just had a bad season. They I mean. started out the season. They started out with ten road games to start the season. And then they uh, and then they had a huge COVID outbreak, and then they just couldn't start. And then they just couldn't win at home. I think it was more along the lines of just getting used to the arena because it wasn't open. But yeah. so it's like next year, like yes, like teams, yes, clearly the top eight teams are still good. But I don't think we're going to see the point disparity that we did this year between the top and the bottom. Oh no, without a doubt, without a doubt. And if there is, then petition for the Sabres to be moved to the Pacific Division of the Western Conference because that's an absolute shit show. I would love that. And <laughs> I mean, if Nashville, I mean, if Nashville a soccer club is in the Western Conference of Major League Soccer, then the Buffalo Sabres should be allowed to be in the Western Conference of the National Hockey League because geography makes no sense anymore at this point. No, especially you look at, um, you got uh, Chicago and soccer in the East, and then Chicago's West in hockey, and then they're all, yeah, but they're East in basketball. Yeah, it makes no sense. And they're in the NFC in football. Baseball doesn't count because they have two teams. One in the one in the American League, one in the National League. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> the, <laughs> both of them are under five hundred. Both of them are under five hundred too. Yeah, the Cubs suck. The Cubs do suck. They lost. I think they lost to the Pirates the other night. They were yeah. The Pirates were actually favored tonight to to beat them. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, uh, I guess we'll finally shift focus to baseball now. How are your Mets doing, by the way? They were losing seven to one. Yeah, I turned as- it off. I don't know. I turned it off. I don't blame you. Um, right. right now, you're still down seven to one. At the top of the seventh. Okay, so the thing is, though, is that the Yankees lost five to four. But I mean, they were down five to two, so I kind of took it as a loss, anyways. Only their 18th loss of the season. They're 50 and 18. Um, it's first team to 50. First team to fifty, only team to fifty. The Mets still have the Mets still have the best record in the National League. Yeah, we're five out of fifty right now. We got forty five. I mean, I it, it's June. There, it, there's no room to panic at all. 
Like with well, the, the reason I'm panicking is because it's like, well, when is this team's collapse coming? It's bound to happen. It's bound to happen when the Braves go on another 14 game win streak in like August. <laughs> it won't happen now. It'll happen like in August. Like you'll have you'll you'll be riding the high, and then all of a sudden it'll just hit you like a brick wall. That's exactly what's going to happen, and I'm not going to be disappointed because I'm prepared for it. No, and it is what is there. Let's take a quick look at the standings here, honestly. I, I just want to do a quick rundown of the standings here real quick. So, yeah, let's see here. You have a five, The Mets have a five-and-a-half game lead over the Braves, although that won't change, that won't change like, unless the Braves come back and beat the Giants tonight. They are currently losing. So, like, I mean, it's five and a half, and like I said, it's only June. So, like, there's nothing to be really worried about there until, like, I would say don't panic until, like, August. All-star break. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say trade deadline, July 31st. Okay, I was going to go all-star break, but I could live with that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the AL East and the AL West are just complete shit shows. I mean, the Yankee, like, you have the, the AL East has four teams over 500, but yet because of how the Yankees have been, no, everybody is, everybody is 11 games behind the Yankees or more. Like the Blue Jays are 38 and 29 and they're in 11 and they're 11 and a half games back at the Yankees. Whereas the AL West is just a complete shit show. You have the Texans, yeah, the Texans, the Astros running away with it. And then everybody else is below 500, but yet the Angels are only 10 games back. Like the the Blue Jays, who are a f- above five hundred team, have a bigger deficit to the Yankees than the Angels do to the Astros. And then I don't understand like what what is up with both central divisions. I mean, you have two Cleveland teams- surprising me. Cleveland actually, I think Cleveland. I actually think how based on how Cleveland's playing, they could. I think they could win the central. I think based on how they're playing, like they can play this, they can win the I mean, central. They're only one game behind because they have some games in hand still. Yeah, they had a huge COVID outbreak and they have a lot of games to make up. They're, yeah, and they're eight and two in their last ten. Yeah, and they're playing a big series against the Twins. They have a they're playing they have a couple big series um, against the Twins this week. Like they're playing the Twins like today, like today, tomorrow, and Thursday, and then next week they're playing the Twins. They actually, holy shit, they have a five, they actually have five games next week against the Twins. Like Monday, a Tuesday, wait, yeah, a Tuesday doubleheader, Wednesday, and then Thursday. So like five, so like eight out of their next 11 games are against the Twins. I mean, they also have a series in between those, those two twin series against the Red Sox at home. Series. Yeah, series. Because like, (laughs) Because it's they're playing the same team twice, yeah. so I got to say series, which is very it be, weird. It will still be series. I fucking hate the English language. Okay, so English- like you'd be saying like, look at all those gooses versus geese. Gooses. Look at all those platypuses. It's platypi. Platypussies. Oh. Platypussies. <laughs> platypussies. Yeah, no, Cleveland. If they can take, let's see, they so they're playing Minnesota right now. If they go take this series and go three out of five um in next week's series, then you're looking and it's like, well, now they have full control of the central. 
Yeah, they have full control of the Central. And the thing is, too, is like the Central is a shit show. I mean, we're not even going to consider Detroit and Kansas City because they're two of the worst teams in baseball. Chicago is under 500, and with every bumbling mistake that Tony La Russa makes, it's more and more likely he'll find a way to get fired before, before like before the season ends, or at least like when, or if you best, would think, like, you would think, when, well, you would think Jerry Reinsdorf's a fucking idiot. Okay, the man didn't want to extend Phil Jackson's contract during one of the greatest runs in basketball in the net in the NBA in the nine of all like with the nineties Bulls, but yeah. Um, the Twins are not a bad team, like I said on the last podcast. It's just a matter of like whether or not they can keep control themselves. But with how Cleveland is playing, like with these two up with these two series matchups against the Twins this week and next week, like that's eight games right there. Yeah, like if if Cleveland can take two of three this week this series, if they can take like three or four out of five next series, like that's a huge momentum gainer for them. And I will say this I am actually rooting for the Guardians to win the Central now. Mainly because I put a $10 bet on the Guardians to win the Central because they had plus 350 odds. $10 would return 45 That would be a good return. That would. And, if, and if they don't win the Central because it's a future bet, by the time October comes, I'll probably forget about it anyways. So who cares? <laughs> now, when it comes to the NL Central, it's the same fucking thing. Milwaukee is the Milwaukee is thirty nine and thirty, and the Cardinals are thirty eight and thirty one, only one game back. But, but then everybody else, a shit show. Everybody else is a shit show. The Cubs, are, the 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 Reds, Cubs, and Pirates, like forget about them. And then like the dot, like the NL West, I I guess is kind of the same thing. I mean, the Giants are four games back at the Dodgers, but like San Diego's only a half game back. I, the Dodgers like reclaimed top spot in the West finally, like since we last recorded. But I mean, no, there's really no time to panic, honestly. I mean, for right now, I mean, I will say this somebody's about to get on their high horse because their team uh, from Massachusetts is in third place in the AL East. Ooh. Pike is about to be on his fucking high horse about that. Yeah, probably I mean, does... we, we did kind of say, though, that that division was going to be the best division in baseball. And right now it's looking like we're right because four out of the five teams are above 500. And but the Yankees out... are just so good right now that it's like you look at it, it's like, well, they're so far behind. But it's, like, it's still a good division. And four out of the five teams are in wildcard spots, too. Yeah. I mean, four out of the four teams are in wildcard spots. And then you have the team with the best record in baseball in that division, too. Yeah. Like, it's insane. And then, like, I mean, I guess the same thing could be said about the NL West. I mean, like, you have the Dodgers, but then you have, like, the, the Padres and Giants in wildcard spots uh, in wildcard spots as well, like, in wildcard spots as well there um, with the expanded play, with the expanded playoffs there. Right. But, I mean, then you look at Arizona, though, and Colorado. It's like, well, those two teams are just – Colorado fucking baffles me. I mean, they signed Chris Bryant, and it's like, why did you sign him? Like, for what? Com- to compete for fourth in the NL West, which is pre- – actually, they're not even competing for fourth in the NL West. They're in last in the West. <laughs> what a joke. Um, uh, I do want to say this, though. Your Orioles, 30 and 39. Getting closer to that 500, Mark, like I said. Seven and a half back of a wild card spot. <laughs> The boys just need to turn it on, and it'll be all right. And they'll be all right. 
Just bring in, just bring the left field in a little more, and then it'll be okay. Just hit home runs every night. <laughs> you do realize like that will help the opposition too, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You so so it will just be like we'll give up nine runs. Well, it wouldn't matter because our the fucking their bullpen is horrendous. No, their bullpen, their most of their team is horrendous, but they're they're more worried about the future with all their top prospects, anyways. So exactly. who knows how who knows how they'll do? Even though um, I don't really get baseball on prospects because it's like they never bring guys up, anyways. It's just the same. It's kind of like NHL managers. It's just like same old song and dance. Exactly, same old song and dance. Um, uh, when it co- I, 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 you know, I'm not throwing in the towel on the Pirates just yet. They are 28 and 39, um, but. They're not the worst team in their division, which I'm shocked at. I thought for sure they're going to be bottom of the bear. I didn't. I thought the Cubs would be sitting around 500 at this point in the season. Yeah, and not Cincinnati is. Back. Yeah, and then Cincinnati's a shit show. They're 21 games under 500, and then the Cubs are 18 games under 500. The Pirates are only 11 under 500. I mean, hey, you know, 28 wins, 75 could still happen. I'm not saying like it's going to happen, like there's an outside <laughs> chance, but like it could still happen. Like I, I think there's like a five percent chance it could still happen. They had like a nine-game losing. So you're streak. saying there's a chance? They had a nine-game losing streak at one point, and I'm like, what the fuck are you assholes doing? Why are you still a franchise? Yeah, they also have one of the worst uh, scoring differences in baseball. Yeah, no, their scoring difference is a tro- uh minus eighty-seven. The Nationals are minus 106. Yeah, they have the, let's see here. They have the, like, they're tied for the fifth worst scoring differential in all. Actually, I'm only looking at the wild card here. Let me take a look at differential. I want to do it by that. Can I do it? They are tied for the fourth worst scoring differential in all of baseball with the Cubs and the Royals. Only the Athletics, Tigers, and Nationals have a worse scoring differential. I just wish the Athletics would get good again because their uniforms are so satisfying to look at. Who? I'm sorry, who do you wish was good again? The Athletics. The Athletics? I think they probably have some of the best the best uniforms in baseball. They can't... They are... They have issues on and off the field. Like the A's, like the A's practically are tanking on this year, letting everybody go. Um, I don't know how like tanking in baseball makes no sense to me because drafting like in baseball, like it's not like you get the top pick or anything like that. Um, and then their stadium and like city situation is just a shit show too. Like yeah. they like they need to leave they need to leave that stadium, but the city of Oakland doesn't want to give them a new stadium. So they're telling the city that they're going to move like every, like every other team did, but the city is like, okay, go ahead and do it. But then they don't have like an actual plan to leave because apparently like they want to go to Vegas, but they would have to have like a climate controlled stadium like the Raiders do. And they can't play where where the Raiders play because that's a football stadium. Like that's, designated for football they're not going to do that like they did in oakland because it makes no sense um i mean i guess the same thing could be i guess the stadium situation can be said for the rays as well because the trop is a fucking dump like and honestly just needs to be like torn down and a stadium needs to be rebuilt from scratch like actually in tampa but 
at least the Rays like actually have an on-field product that's competitive. So they've got that going for them. Um, but no, I mean, like I said, back, I, you know, like rooting for the Guardians to win the Central. <laughs> I think it can happen. Pittsburgh outside chance of eight, seventy-five wins. Um. Uh, oh, updated standings. Paiska is going to be loving that. Paiska is going to be. Wait, why? Hold up here. How did, this doesn't make any sense. What? You confused? I am because my app says that the my app, my standings say that the Red Sox are in second in the East, but they but my the standings like don't make any sense here. They're saying that the Red Sox are now second in the East, but yet they're twelve and a half back of the Yankees, whereas the Blue Jays are only eleven and a half back. So something must have happened where it's like computing that puts Boston in second in the in the East. Yeah, no, I'm still saying as they're in third in the East. Okay, something's up with my stand. Yeah, because they're 12 and a half behind and Toronto's 11 and a half behind. I don't understand, like, what's happening there then because, like, it's got to be, like, ESPN just completely shitting bed there. That made no sense to me at, at all there. Unless maybe did their game just finish up? E, maybe. they. I know they just beat the Tigers 5-4. Yeah, I don't know what the Blue but Jays still did. still doesn't make sense because the Blue Jays lost – or they're still playing right now. And they're – they're tied they two to two in the top of the eighth. Yeah, they're tied two to two. Yeah, yeah. ESPN. But even like, even oh. even if they lose, then that, does that put Boston only a half a game behind, or still? Yeah, it still put Boston like a half because the Blue Jays have two less losses than them. Boston's got two more losses, so Boston would still be in third. I don't know what ESPN might what what ESPN was doing there for me, trying to give me some of that fake news, uh, as they say. Um, uh, but like I said, it's June. I'm not panicking. We're not at the all-star break. I, well, actually, neither of us really need to panic. I mean, look where we stand. Teams of fans of other teams don't need to panic, honestly. Um, well, if you're fans of like the Pirates, the Nationals, the Cubs, the the Reds, um, the Angels, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, the if you're fans of like the bottom half of the league, you might as well just focus on the next like five years. Um, if you're fans of like the Red Sox, the Guardians, Cardinals, Brewers, like those teams, like don't panic. You're good to go. I mean, you know, I if I have faith if I have faith in the Guardians to win the Central, so can you. I do. I never thought I didn't have faith in them. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm, I'm just, just shocked. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, saying they're shocked at where they are at this point. In the oh, I'm talking in general. I'm talking. Oh. In general. I'm talking in general here. Okay. Because I was gonna say at the beginning of the season, I had no faith in them to be where they're at. No, at the beginning of the season, no, no. Like it, it, it is a little bit of a shock. But the thing is, though, is like at the beginning of the season, I had thought like this team would be like decent enough to like get to the playoffs, and then. Also be decent. Also be enough, like where they would probably just miss out, kind of like that purgatory. So it is what it is. There, we'll see what happens there. Like I said, it's only June. Yeah, so a lot of season left. A lot of season. Yeah, I know, a lot of season left. But the thing is, though, is how much more am I? Well, I know, I know. With most people, baseball will come. Oh damn! And then football will come in like September, and then people will just be like, "Oh no, it's football season. Fuck it." 
Right, Atlanta just made this a game as well. <laughs> yeah, I just saw you just that. saw that as well. <laughs> Twelve to ten, baby. What a high score! Yeah, the um, uh, the the uh, the forty-nine, the forty-nine, the 49ers are beating joking, joking football score here. The 49ers are beating the bright, are beating the Falcons. Twelve to ten in a low-scoring football game. <laughs> um, a nice, couple nice field goals we saw. Couple safety, a safety. No, it would be. No, they kicked. Touchdown in the field. Atlanta, Atlanta kicked, or no, excuse me. Yeah, no. Um, the field 49ers goal. kicked four field goals. Yeah. Hey, I mean, Atlanta could have, I mean, Atlanta could have had a touchdown, a mixed, a missed, a mixed, a missed extra point and two safeties. That could be it. Could be it. <laughs> San Francisco could have also got six safeties. That that would be something. That'd be a record. That would be a record if this and was a... six safeties to five safeties. Right now is what we're saying. It would. Be, <laughs> it would be. A, it would be a. That would be a record. Most safeties for one game in a game for one team. Most safeties combined. If that was a football game, I would probably not be watching that. It would be an electric game. Also, I want to shout out them. Well, I guess what time is it there? No, they're playing in Atlanta right now. Yeah, so it is. Almost eleven o'clock at night, and this woman still has her baby outside. <laughs> Take that baby home and put it to bed. <laughs> Get that did you up. see that as well? The lady behind the home plate has the baby I, just wrapped around her. I did. Bad parenting. That is bad parenting. Bad parenting. Get your kid home. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, I see it. Get your kid home. Get that kid to bed. It's almost eleven o'clock. Oh. Oh. Oh no, not high enough. Well, not far enough, I should say. Um, uh, yeah, get that kid home. Bad parenting <laughs> on the mom, a bad parenting on the mother. Um, uh, but that, that's our baseball rundown. Like I said, like we said, it's June. Don't panic. I know Jake's going to continue to panic as a Mets fan. Like, I guess that's what they just live with. I guess. So it's panic is their it's, middle it's in the history of the Mets. <laughs> it's in the history. Oh, oh what? <laughs> the Mets have won something. No, actually, no, they haven't. They haven't won anything since 86. Never mind. It almost feels like being a Tottenham fan though. Basically is. Although I will say this, Tottenham has three signings like completed, whereas the football club that I support has a solid goose egg. Yeah, and you. Instead, we keep posting about goals from the past, like from two thousand and nine, and I'm like, because you, we... you guys are stuck in the past now, because you know the team's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's like on this on this day, Ronaldo scored two goals against Ipswich Town in uh, the FA Cup back in 2009, and it's like sign some players, do something, do so. Yeah, get it's it's Ver- the, verbal it's, meme. The guy poking the stick. Yeah, the meme with the guy poking the stick. Do something, and it's the United logo. <laughs> like, come on, do something. Okay, I don't need people blowing up my phones with transfer rumors that are completely false and untrue, asking me if we're getting a striker. I said we're getting a. I, I said we're getting a striker named absolutely no one. Or and Jake Sosha from Chicago White Eagles. I thought I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was. Well, it's uh, LaSalle FC now. LaSalle I haven't FC. been to a game though in a couple of weeks. I've just been blowing it off. Oh, quitting I've on been, the team. <laughs> I've been golfing too much. Yeah, they they, they come second. It's like it's like I'm Gareth Bell. Golf. Well, go, hold on, hold on. America, golf, uh, LaSalle FC, in that order. Basically. I mean, I don't blame you at this point. Like, I'd rather go golfing than take a 45 minute drive up to Niagara Falls and play all the home games. Right. It makes no sense. 
Um, my team acts like it's the fucking Premier League. If Zach's listening to this, he knows it as well. Our team messages in the group chat every week about the team we're playing and what they do, acting like we're playing in the Premier League. I'm like, mate, half of the guys we're playing show up drunk anyways, and we just run around a soccer field. That's why I would. That's why I never want. Like, part of me like wants to join a men's league, but at the same it's time, not worth it. Part of me doesn't want to because, like, if I join a men's league, they'll take it way too seriously, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm just here like for the beer. That's, and to yeah, have a... that's why I just rather golf. Exactly. That's why you've got your golf league. Oh, exactly. That's why you've got your golf league. See, I would join golf league, but I'm not good enough. I'd be an embarrassment. Well, most leagues are handicapped, so you would be. It would be you could play like at least competitively. No, fair enough. Fair enough. There. Maybe I'll look into a Rochester golf league then next summer. Um, uh, do you have any final thoughts before we conclude today, sir? No, we're just recording next week to close up the NHL finals. And that's the last podcast until August, right? Uh, I was thinking we could do stories some stories. Okay. I'm done with that. Like, every other week. Be every other week because I'll be moving to Florida then. So my July is just going to be a mess. No, my July is going to be a mess too. I mean, like I, I have a couple weeks, like, like, fourth of july will be coming but then like i have a couple weeks and then i'll be in pocono but then like we can do like every other week i'm not worried about it and then august the same thing we'll do every other week and then once football season starts um like it will be like every week again um sucks that you're moving down to florida because i if you weren't moving down to florida i would have asked you to come out here and we could have gone to bill's camp yeah, I'm sorry. Like I said, I'm going to try to get up to Rochester for possibly whenever you get home for one of the um, Stanley Cup final games. But I guess everything's just been a shit show recently with me trying to plan this move and stuff now. That's no. like official, so. Yeah, no, I mean, the best options would have been when I'm in Philly. If there's a game six, right. cause if there's a, because game five would, have been, would be Friday and then game six would be Sunday. And I would have been off on Monday because of vacation, but I'm on vacation. So then if there's game seven, that wouldn't be until Tuesday. Tuesday, yep. Fuck. So the best option actually would have been like game two, but I was in. Thank God we didn't. Yeah. Thank God we didn't have to sit down and watch that one together. No, uh, that would have been bad. Uh, I, that, I, although I much rather have done that instead of watching the bandits completely hit the bed. Like I'm. Yeah. I'm happy. I didn't go to that game. I'm convinced at this point that based on how the bandits performed, like, and you, you can disagree with me on this, but I'm convinced that the, a Buffalo sports team will never win anything again. Like in like as long as I live. Don't tell me you're one of these fucking guys. Jesus Christ. These guys calling to the radio all the time saying it's just in the destiny of Buffalo not to win anything. No, I actually like was like that for like a solid, like I was like that for, for the night, like, when I came back from the game, I'm like, no, there's no fucking way no team is going to fucking win in this no, shit. Those guys are the fucking worst type of guys. Just don't listen to it. We're going to win. We're going to win the Super Bowl this year. They, I, I mean, like, no, that I'm not saying that's how the team, the city is. That's how I felt. Like, I was convinced at that point, like, this fucking city is cursed. Like, no, they just played terribly. They no, took, they played like shit. They I took stupid that. shots. They literally didn't do anything on offense besides – Trying to the, shoot from like 15 yards out all the time and not trying to test his goaltender at all. When they did, they scored. Yeah, and no, they got away from their game. Like it was actually embarrassing to watch. Like my dad, my dad on the entire ride home, my dad was like, 
my because me and my dad my dad was like this was fucking abysmal like fucking shit they went away from their game best best offensive team in the league all season they they kept shooting once and then like once once they shot they just went back on defense and then what sucked and then and 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 he was and then he was just going on about like you know if this was the nine and then he was just going on about like if this was the nineties or or the nineties like Tavares and the Kilgores would be fucking lighting everybody up and I'm thinking to myself Jesus Christ like my dad was more upset than I was like I can understand <laughs> I can understand that because like he saw the glory days of Bandits Lacrosse I guess but I I was just I was miserable because it was more along the lines of like this team should have won. And I was just so pissed. I was actually yeah. sad. I was sad and pissed. I was like, "What the fuck?" But no, those guys underrated. No, those guys, don't get me don't get me started on WGR. There are fucking idiots that call into that radio station with their stupid takes. I should call it. I should call in one day with, under a, like a false name and then just start spewing oh. out some bullshit. So one guy called in the other day saying it was God's plan for us not to win. <laughs> Oh, like, that's like Christ. that's this, like the, I turn the radio off at that point. Like, I just can't listen to this. The, the, that's like the Family Guy episode of how God hates the Patriots. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck? Oh God. Um. Uh, no, I'll call. I should call into WGR one day under a fake name. I'll call in under a pseudonym, and I'll just start spewing out this random bullshit. Trying say to like, Randy Paiska. <laughs> how'd you know I was gonna? How'd you know who I was gonna say I was? I, I figured as much. I know you. <laughs> Actually, I'll say I'm Jake Sosha. That's fine. <laughs> and, then start, and then I'll start spewing out random bullshit, and I hope you're listening. And and odds are likely I will be. It's huh? I said odds most likely I will be because either it's either podcast or the radio or like WGR when I'm at work because like I just get so bored of music. Yeah, and then I just want to do it to see like what they would say to respond back, <laughs> just to see like what would happen. I would need to be like off though to like actually do that. Like I would also need to find like the perfect time to call into because like I wanted to be like some fuck. I wanted to see be somebody that like has terrible takes, but then also like can't doesn't know how to respond to like terrible takes being said to them. And I know WGR has a lot of personalities, but like there's got to be like somebody like that's the top of that list. Well, if you know? Mike Shope and the Bulls. Dog don't know they just get mad and then talk shit about the guy oh <laughs> i want somebody that will get mad but not talk shit <laughs> oh i'm tired so yeah fair enough there maybe i'll call in the shoop and the bulldog and see and have them talk shit oh I'll, I'll think about there but i have no i have one other thing before we conclude today sir i want to do a shout out to a good friend of mine Maybe a maybe a friend of the pod, maybe a listener of the pod. I don't know, but I want to shout out my good friend, Mr. Zach Sosha, your brother. Congratulations on his engagement to his girlfriend. They're engaged to be married. I believe, I believe it's the I believe he's the fourth person in my class to get engaged in my high school class to get engaged. Let's see. You got Noah. You got Joe's already married. Joe's married. Noah. I don't think Joe's married. I thought he was married. I thought they got married and then moved to Florida. I thought it was just a baby mama. I have no fucking clue. I think that's just a baby mama. Oh, okay, cool. I thought they, they were engaged. Though. I know Alex Ackley is, but he wasn't in your class. Alex Ackley is, but he's not in my class. Um, Who else then? No girls to my knowledge. I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't follow anyone from that school anymore. No, I, I just don't. know those because I ran into Alex the one day at my barbershop. 
Uh, I know because of like when I randomly go on the Facebook. Makes sense. And, uh, and that's how I saw that Zach was engaged. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? And it was the day of the Bandits game, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> but congratulations to him. When are you popping the question? <laughs> uh, when I'm settled, like we've known we've been wanting to move. So for me, it's more when I just want like we get settled down. Ah, all right, fair enough. All right, we're breaking news on the podcast. <laughs> Jake's gonna get be engaged to be married within a year. I don't know about that. <laughs> Uh, I love you, buddy. I love, I love you. you too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to shout. Out, I I wanted to shout out Zach when I saw that. I texted him right away. I wasn't gonna be like everybody that was commenting on Instagram or Facebook. I knew that was something I needed to reach out to him personally for. I, did. like, I didn't post like I when I like the Instagram photos of him and his girlfriend and like then on Facebook. I was like, we already talked to you guys. Like they called me right away. I'm like, I'm not gonna do it, like on social media like for like the clout so people are like oh he's such a good brother like not piss off like if you're a good person like that's why i never post anything for my friends on their birthdays like on social media like i'm just gonna call them or text them exactly that's what i, like, do. I don't i don't need to put it on facebook for everyone to see that i, I don't need to, I, I don't, don't need, care i don't need to put it on the instagram story at all right, like, I, like I, I, that, that's what bothers me when people do like like 90 instagram stories for like their best like one of their friends birthdays it's like fuck off like just if your actual friends text them like you don't exactly need don't need to see this i don't it's not worth it there but um uh no that concludes another episode of the lonely heart sports podcast um listen to the podcast apple spotify wherever you get your podcasts and, and until next week just keep on keeping on Thank you.